You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. There is a place where time stands still, where nature is harsh and demanding, where only the quick and the strong and the deadly can survive. This place is no place for civilized man. All you've got to do now is pass the Australian culture test. Three simple questions, three correct answers, and you go through that doorway to the greatest little country in the world. Hi, Annie here. For this week's edition of Showreel, I look at Australian films, filmmakers and those behind the scenes. This week we are featuring a chat with filmmaker Sally Ingleton, who is just about to launch her documentary Wild Things. It is about frontline defenders of the environment in Australia. It is opening on February the 4th with some special events, which Sally talks about at the end of our chat. So I first started um, working on the film Wild Things about, oh gee, it must have been four or five years ago. Um, I was just really keen to make a film about Australia's environment movement because Australia's just got this really long history and very successful history of activism and particularly non-violent activism that has managed to save many, many wild places around Australia. But lots of people don't really know much about it. And as the years kind of went on um, and I was raising the finance, we suddenly had this real surge of a lot of action around particularly climate action. So there was the mammoth um, Stop Adani campaign to stop the big new coal mine up in central Queensland from being being built. So people from all over Australia were travelling to that destination to, to protest about that mine. There was the uh, student strike for climate movement that kind of popped up out of nowhere. Many young people just genuinely really fearful about their futures were inspired by the actions of Greta Thunberg in Sweden. And they thought, well, we could do that too. We could start striking. And so they just started striking outside their local parliamentarians' offices and the movement built really fast to suddenly these massive street marches. And then the third campaign that I started following was this group of really dedicated frontline activists that were going into the forest of uh, northwest Tasmania, um, these beautiful old-growth ancient rainforests that sadly are being logged um, and they basically decided we just don't want any more trees to be falling on our watch. And so they formed these blockades. They taught each other how to climb trees and started sitting in trees and doing tree sits. And so the film kind of um, toggles between these three different campaigns. And at the same time, it tells the sort of history of, I guess, frontline act environmental activism in Australia. So we, we cover the story of the green bands in Sydney, uh, the big fight to save some of the rainforests of New South Wales, and um, the fight to stop the uranium mine from being built in Kakadu. 
And then, of course, um, the amazing people who stopped the Franklin River from being dammed. I was really taken by the uh, footage that you had, uh, the past footage, which was fascinating, absolutely fascinating. Uh, but I was really taken by the uh, local community in the uh, New South Wales who decided that, uh, you know, they, that sequence where the man actually says to them, you can't park your cars, you're on my land. Uh, and the people that did park their cars on their land just assumed that they could uh, take whatever the um, business interests requ- wanted. I mean, it was a pivotal moment, yes, really. Yes, well, look, I think, you know, there were many, in the early 70s, many people were inspired by the green bands that, that happened in Sydney. And that was when the Builders' Labourers' Federation basically decided that they were not going to participate in the development of these beautiful historic areas such as the rocks around the Sydney Harbour Bridge. There were plans to completely build over um, Centennial Park, which is now a wonderful, huge kind of wild park right in the centre of Sydney, and even the Botanical Gardens. So there were plans to build freeways and housing complexes and so on. And the Builders' Labourers Federation just went, no, we're not going to do it. And so they refused to to, um, to basically work on those sites. And there were massive protests. And, you know, fortunately, a lot of Sydney was saved. And those protests were really the first kind of environmental um, big street protests that were happening in Australia. And it inspired people all over the country to really start standing up for wild places. And at that time, there was you know, quite a big movement of people leaving the city and wanting to um, to buy land in in um, in a rural and coastal areas, and particularly around northern New South Wales. And northern New South Wales at the time, I mean, there were these beautiful rainforests, but they were just being logged. And um, this couple, Hugh and Nan Nicholson, had bought um, a piece of land and they built a you know, a very simple cottage and you know, adjoining a, a wonderful uh, tropical rainforest. And one day Hugh was just walking in the forest and he could hear the sound of voices and um, wondered who those people were and he went up to chat to them and the guides told him, oh, yeah, we're, we're going to cut down this forest and um, turn it into a eucalypt plantation. And poor Hugh was just horrified and he just thought, oh, my God, I've got to do something about this. And... So they started writing letters and petitions and then eventually they just got the whole community together and they formed what ended up being the very first blockade of a landscape anywhere in the world by European people, you know, not including obviously Indigenous people that have tried to protect their land for, um, you know, for many generations. So it's a wonderful story and we tell that story in Wild Things. One of the many. <laughs> yeah, well, one of the many. But but it's uh, it, each of the stories that you're following uh, are showing elements of people standing up to defend uh, which stuff that's irreplaceable, and it it uh, goes straight to the political uh, landscape of this country, doesn't it? the way people see themselves in yes, this country. Yes, that's right. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. And, I mean, you know, Australia, we're so lucky. We've got amazing, you know, natural features and natural landscapes and incredible wildlife here. And, you know, we really need to be protecting it as much as possible. And with, with climate change and, you know, increasing 
extreme weather events, um, you know, such as the bushfires that happened in the summer of 2020. I mean, so much habitat was was destroyed, and obviously the homes for so much wildlife. Um, but it's absolutely critical that we start getting our carbon emissions down and getting to a low emissions as soon as we possibly can. We just can't waste any more time talking about it. I think that's one of the tragedies that young people feel. They just get so frustrated that they just hear politicians talking and talking and talking and what they want to see is action because it's their future that's at stake. You've um, been making documentaries for 30 years and a lot of the time it has actually been... It mirrors the, uh, in a way, the um, uh, increasing awareness of the uh, Anglo-Celtic population of Australia at the uh, of the uh, importance of environment. Yes, well, I've I've been making documentaries now for um, well over thirty years, and you know, I've made films about all different subjects. I've made arts and people-based stories, but I guess my real love is is trying to make stories that. But help to inspire change and um, I think with Wild Things it really will take people on an immersive experience into what frontline activism is all about and you get to meet some of the people that are out there trying to protect these wild places and some of them are young and some of them are 80 years old. You know, there's a real variety of, of characters there. Um, some of the films that I've made, you know, have been natural history, so people and animal stories or wildlife stories. I've done films about kangaroos and the little penguins down at Phillip Island. We even did a film about the great Australian fly. So a big variety there. Um, but, yeah, certainly it's it's really critical at the moment that we do what we can to, to save the wild places um, that still exist and keep them intact. Um, the logging that's happening down in Tasmania in the old growth forest is just crazy. It's really not economically viable. It doesn't create very many jobs for people and it's just destroying what are these you know, wonderful intact ecosystems um, that can't be replaced. I mean, if you start chopping down trees, um, the whole nature of the forest um, gets fragmented and the understory will just change because you suddenly you're getting light in areas where um, you didn't have light before. So all the little creatures and fungi that rely on living in those very wet, dense, dark places, you know, they have to go somewhere else or they just they die. So um, there's at the moment there's a big blockade happening down at the Pineland River in Tasmania, and um, if anyone who's listening to this show wants to get involved in frontline activism, that is definitely a campaign to um, to join. Yeah, well, I've actually been there. I went there last year in the beginning of the year before, uh, uh, oh, just before COVID started, actually. Um, and uh, I know what you mean. You go, it's actually a bit uh, deeply disturbing that anybody would want to knock down these forests, um, especially since... So many people have dedicated themselves to trying to raise awareness of their importance. Now, the uh, business interests and the government's interests all uh, uh, proselytise around the idea of jobs and that, I guess, we're allowed to do whatever we like with nature. How, um, How 
I mean, if you go there, it's impossible for you to hold those views. I just find, um, with you, I find it really difficult to understand why this would still be going on, especially in Tasmania, when tourism is obviously the top dollar. Yeah, it's surprising. I mean, certainly in the northwest of Tasmania, um, you know, there's been families that have been involved in the timber industry for a number of generations and, you know, they've relied on that work. Um, so, of course, they're, they're very concerned about the possibility that the timber industry may close down. But the reality is it's already shrinking and it's already not viable. I mean, the government, the Tasmanian government, really has to prop up that industry and they inject a lot of subsidies into that industry. And the main thing that's um, killing that industry is mechanisation. I mean, you never see somebody cutting down a tree anymore. It's machines that basically go in and cut down the trees and strip off the, the branches and the bark and it's, it's all done very, very efficiently. And it, it might employ, you know, a handful of people and that's it. So I think the number of people actually actively involved in cutting the, in, in the actual um, timber, apart from the milling, is only about 300. And then along with people involved in the mills, it's only about a 1,000 people. Whereas, you know, the tourist industry, um, you've got well over 20,000 people employed in Tasmania and it's a, a growing market. I mean, there's so many people wanting to go to Tasmania because of its extraordinary landscapes and its bushwalks. I mean, thanks to the efforts of the protesters 40 years ago, we've still got a wild Franklin River and that's now, you know, one of the 10 voted one of the 10 most popular whitewater rafting destinations in the world. Well, that would have been gone if it hadn't been for the efforts of frontline activists back in the summer of 1982-83. Hi, I'm Judith Ehrlich. I'm the director of the film The Boys Who Said No, Draft Resistance in the Vietnam War. I'm really pleased to be here on 3CR. I'm an old listener-sponsored radio producer myself and worked at the first listener-sponsored station in the world, KTFA, Berkeley, part of the Pacifica Network. So good work. Keep it up. Thanks. You're listening to Showreel on your community radio station, 3CR. Today we are featuring the upcoming Australian documentary, Wild Things, which honours the work of people standing up for our environment. So do do you think that it's about uh, changing people's minds, you know, and making people aware of what's uh, going on? Because there are, I mean, you document in your film that there is uh, increasing amounts of people aware of the importance of these places. And I guess in a way your film is showing to other people that uh, demonstrators and, and uh, uh, environmental protection people are actually real people, like all the older women that you uh, talk to who are trying to undermine uh, the Adani uh, um, debacle. Uh, they, they're extraordinary people, aren't they? I mean, uh, you're really trying to get across that message, aren't you? Look, I think, Annie, that um, there's a general kind of misconception that the people that demonstrate or that go to protests or a part of these blockades are kind of fringe dwellers, they're doll bludgers, they're losers, and they're not. I mean, most of the people have got jobs, they're um, highly educated, they're some of them are un- university students that are taking time out from their studies to go to these blockades. 
In the case of the activists that we profile in the film, Dr. Lisa Searle is a, a GP in Tasmania and she spends half her time, you know, defending the forest and the other half of the time she works for Medicines on Frontier and often works in um, developing world countries, particularly in Africa, running hospitals and so on. So it's, um, I think when you see the film, you'll realise that what makes an activist is much more than this kind of stereotype of, you know, of just, you know, somebody who's a dull bludger. And it's unfortunate that, you know, so often when activists are involved in an action, they really have to put up with a lot of violence and aggression from, you know, a sector of the population that will yell at them and yell out abuse, get a job, or, you know, you're a dull bludger and things like this. And it's really far from the truth. It's really, you know, the people that are protesting, they're protesting because they really care about the future for their kids and their grandkids and the future of, of our world. And I hope that by seeing the film, you know, people's attitudes, perhaps they get slightly like, wow, I didn't really realise that those people um, who go to the blockades are like that because there's a real variety there. And I think, you know, the other big takeaway is just this sense of being really inspired by the kind of people who are going there and the extent that they go to. And they really do put their bodies on the line and you really see that. You see people really being rammed by huge semi-trailers and being arrested by police and just the sort of, um, I guess, the the stoicism of what people need to do in order to... Um, to follow their beliefs. Well, I did think that the interview with the young uh, lawyer um, who uh, was at the um, uh, no coal. What's 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 the group at Adani the camp? What do they call themselves? Uh, camp Bindi. Uh, yeah, but, but, Adani, but 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 the but the and the. Um, Anyway, I've spoken to these people before and uh, that young lawyer said something really interesting. She said uh, uh, that, you know, she was glad that she was born at this time because some people could find it uh, a very... uh, um, uh, be very pessimistic about it, but at least she's here to defend what needs to be defended, basically. That's what she was saying. I think that's the interesting thing. I mean, you know, I'm... You know, I'm an older person now and in the sense that I'm, I'm now in my 60s. But, you know, what's inspiring is that so many young people still have this really strong hope. They don't, they're not, they haven't given up. And um, as as a student who's in the film says, Kudra says, um, you know, if I was born 100 years ago, we wouldn't know about these things. If I was born 100 years into the future, it would be too late. But I'm born now. I'm I'm living now, and it's really the best time to actually be able to make a difference and to be able to change what's happening. It's not too late, and it isn't. The thing is, with climate change, there really are so many solutions out there. So many solutions. You just need government will to actually put things in place and build the infrastructure and invest in all the new technologies that will address our rise in carbon emissions. The solutions are there and they've been there for quite a long time. They've just got to stop dragging their feet and get on with it because the longer they leave it, the more of our planet is going to disappear in terms of ecosystems and species. 
Um, and I think, if anything, you know, the one thing that we've all learned from this pandemic, which has kind of rocked the planet over the last 12 months, is governments can act really quickly and populations will follow suit. Um, I mean, pretty well in Melbourne, we've all realised, okay, you know, there's big changes that have happened here. Businesses are going to have to close. We're all going to have to go into lockdown. We have to change the way we're doing things. We can't travel because it's a health crisis. And, you know, I think there's lots of changes that we need to make as a species if we are to, to actually arrest, you know, the climate change that is going on. We've got to we've got to just get on with it. Um, it's going to be, you're going to have uh, some. Um, I mean, it's opening on the seventh, fourth, fourth of February, and you've got a couple of important uh, events happening, have, aren't you? To um, uh, send uh, yeah, to so launch the film, the film. The film is being released. The film is being released nationally on February the fourth, and at some of the first advanced screenings, we're going to have live Q and A's after the screenings. So in Melbourne, we've got uh, a live Q&A at the Classic Cinema in Elston Week um, on February the 3rd. So the screening will start at 6.30 and then the Q&A will follow the screening. And on February the 4th, we'll also have a screening at Cinema Nova starting at 6.30 and we'll follow with a live Q&A, which will have uh, Bob Brown will be part of it, Lisa Searle is the activist in the film, myself, and Paul Sinclair, who's the campaign director at the Australian Conservation Foundation. So we really look forward to you know, meeting audiences and hearing what people have to say and talking about how we can get on with the solutions. Um, really encourage people to buy tickets ahead of time because obviously our seat numbers are limited because of COVID. So, yeah, just to repeat, on the 3rd of February at the Classic Cinema in Elstonwick at 630 and at Cinema Nova on February the 4th at 6.30. And then the film will continue screening in both those cinemas, basically for as long as people buy tickets. <laughs> if people don't buy tickets, then the film will, you know, will sort of disappear. So really hope that people get out, arrange to go with a few friends, or if you're listening and you're part of a local environment group or a climate action group, you know, try and organise for a few of you to get along and, and see the film and use it as an opportunity to build a bit of momentum for your group. Thanks for talking to me, Sally. No worries. Thanks so much, Annie. Bye. Take care. You too. That's it for Showreel this week. We'll go out with a blast from the past, the song Goanna pinned for the Franklin Blockade, followed by the quintessential urban anthem for the careless destruction of environment. Talk to you next week. Tasmania, the hardest heart would understand Just to feel your wilderness inside sings to me So let the Franklin's fall, let the wildlands be The wilderness should be strong and free From Kuna to the southwest shore Play.
thousand people been arrested and bailed Has to be something worth fighting for Voices crying in the wilderness Saying this is something worth fighting for Let the bridges fall, let the wildlands be The wilderness should be strong and free Wakuna Kina to the southwest shore are kind of going now. Oh, I'd stay here for another hour. Hey, 
Hey, farmer, farmer, put away that DDT now. Give me spots on my apples, believe me, the birds and the bees. Don't it always seem to go? You don't know what you've got till it's gone. They paid paradise, put up a parking lot. Last night I heard that screen door slam And a big yellow taxi come and took away my old man Don't it always seem to go that you don't know what you've got till it's gone They paid paradise, put up a parking lot Late last night I heard that screen door slam a big yellow tractor come and took away my house it took away my land i said don't it always seem to go you don't know what you've got till it's gone they pay paradise put up a parking lot they pay paradise put up a parking lot they pay paradise put up a parking lot You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.